Hello everyone or no one. Welcome back to the Jess of it. Uh, my name's Jess and I'm your host. I am still kind of in shock that I decided to start this podcast because it feels extremely surreal. It feels very much so like imposter syndrome, like Am I just talking to myself? Um, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Like, um, the fact that, like, you could search this up on Spotify and it'll pop up, like, that's wild to me. Um, it's, like I said, it's an extremely surreal thing, but it's exciting. And um, I'm just proud of myself for having started. So, yeah, um, let's go ahead and get started. The first episode, if you listened, was just kind of like a get to know me, and it was more um, kind of stream of consciousness kind of thing, or like train of thought kind of thing. Like there was no structure to it. I was saying I kind of just hit record and we started. Going forward, I would like to have a little bit more structure to these episodes, so um, we're still working on it, you guys. I'm still getting to know the software that I'm using and how to edit these things, and um, that kind of brings me to um, this little segment that I don't have a title for yet, but for now, we're going to call it Seriously, Jess? Um where I'm going to share something that happened between the last episode and this one where you're like, seriously. So as you know, I recorded the first episode. Um, you're probably listening to it or have listened to it a week ago from whenever it launches. Cause I don't know when that's happening yet. Um, but for me, I recorded that episode on February 17th. Today, it is March 8th, so it's later, um, almost a month later, and I'm just now recording episode number two, and episode number one is not edited up until today, so at the moment that I'm recording this one, episode number one is not yet edited because I sat down and I listened to the entire thing second by second, minute by minute, so I can trim down all the awkward ums and the areas where my breathing was a little heavy and the areas where I would like smack my tongue and you could hear it. And then I get to the very end and I realize I never saved the edited version. So to go back and do that again, but with two under two, it is so hard to find the time because if you figure, if you sit down and you record something that's, let's say, 40 minutes, it's not going to take you 40 minutes to edit it. It's going to take you much longer because you're dissecting the thing and then you have to listen to it again. Anyway, learning, learning experience. It's a learning process. It's fun. It's keeping me busy. But here we are. That's my seriously, Jess. I do still very much so feel like I'm a newbie to all of this. I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I so shy? This is just brand new to me, but this is me 
trying to say goodbye to my perfectionism and just let it be what it'll be. And I think with time, it'll get easier. And with practice, it'll get easier. I do want to kind of transition into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I mentioned in my first episode that this podcast was born because of a conversation that I had with my therapist. And I'm in therapy because of my experience with um, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and just postpartum in general. And I had mentioned there that I wanted to talk about postpartum in its own separate thing. So that's what we're going to be doing today. I do want to throw out a disclaimer that this episode is all about my postpartum experience, meaning it doesn't mean it's the only experience out there. It doesn't mean my experience is the end-all be-all type of thing. Um, it's just experiencing postpartum twice and both experiences be, uh, being extremely different. It's been a big um, chunk of my life that is really important to me. It's shaped who I am today on March 8th. As I record this, it's it's shaping who I am today because um, I'm still very much in it. So right now I am three months postpartum with my second son. And I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there. This is totally based on my experience. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Let's go from there. I do want to say that um, whenever you do anything on the internet, on social media, through a podcast, whatever the case may be, when you put yourself out there, you're obviously opening yourself up to feedback from other people. And sometimes that feedback will be great. And sometimes that feedback will be not so great. You know, whatever your religious preferences are, I hit up the homie upstairs and I just, I asked for a lot of guidance in doing this because this is a very vulnerable topic for me. So um, with all of that being said, let's go ahead and jump into my postpartum experience. So postpartum, what I knew about postpartum before I had kids, um, because I had heard the expression postpartum depression. Um, all I knew about that was, and this shows how naive I was, was that you, when you have a new baby, can tend to have these really crazy emotions. And I thought postpartum depression meant that you are so disconnected from your child that you want to wish them harm. And in a lot of cases, um, moms have, you know, hurt their children and um, even killed some of them. Um, I was like, well, obviously, like, that's not going to happen to me. Like, no, no, no. And that was the extent of my knowledge on postpartum. I'm not even kidding. I got pregnant. And I just assumed things just happened naturally. Like I assumed breastfeeding would be natural. I assumed you know, the, uh, the way you heal from pregnancy would be natural. Like I just had these assumptions that were so wrong and I did zero research whatsoever. Cause I thought people do this every day. It's the modern day miracle, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, and it actually wasn't until I was getting ready to record this episode that I actually said, let me look up what the definition of postpartum is. I came across this definition. So I found this definition online. I'm not the best researcher because I can't even tell you the website that I found it off of. So maybe that's something that I should do. But I found a definition stating it's a major depressive episode along with onset of pregnancy or within four weeks of delivery. And that's all there is, right? Like that's so freaking general. I haven't decided if this is going to be a podcast where I swear or not. I swear in real life. It just kind of feels like I shouldn't, but whatever. Um, it's so vague. It's so general. A major depressive episode. So, okay. So the crazy thing is about one in seven women are going to experience major postpartum depression. One in seven. Back in 2006, half of women who were experiencing postpartum depression went undiagnosed because of a lack of support. Since then, I believe it's jumped up to like 20% of women experience it now or something like that. When you read that definition, like who would who would willingly say like, oh yeah, I'm experiencing a major depressive episode if you're not. So to me, when I had my first child, you know, you have your first child and I don't know, when I had big brother, I came home from the hospital and my parents were here for a week. And the day that my parents left, I felt like I had been hit by a ton of bricks. It was just, it hit me out of nowhere. It literally felt like a light switch went off and the postpartum anxiety was flipped on. I didn't know what postpartum anxiety was. I had never heard about postpartum anxiety because all I ever heard about was postpartum depression. That's all there was. And by my understanding of it. It's if I wanted to hurt my child, which I didn't. So I didn't have that. Not not knowing what to expect when postpartum happens for you. It's really difficult to tell whether or not you have it, right? So for me, because if you look at postpartum depression online, there's going to be a list of symptoms that can come up. And it's like, oh, if you're experiencing this, 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 and this, and this, and then that's kind of how they diagnose you. Based off of the stuff that I read online, this is what I was experiencing when I had Big Brother. A depressed mood. Loss of interest or pleasure in little things, just anything. Worthlessness and guilt. And indecisiveness. Oh, the indecisiveness. I couldn't make a damn decision about anything. About anything. Carlos and I would be packing up the diaper bag because we were going to go somewhere. And the way my head went into a panic mode because I didn't know how many diapers to take. And because everybody on YouTube was saying, oh, I take eight diapers for a day out. I take 10 diapers for a day out. I take whatever. And I was like, well, how many do I need? Oh my God. And how many outfits of clothes do I need? Because newborn have blowouts and they do this and they do that. And like panicking, panicking. Then I started noticing that in that, so, okay. So when you have a baby, at least for me, the second time I was told, okay, um, you know, the first two weeks are the toughest. 
And that's typically when a mom will experience the baby blues, which is, you know, your hormones are shifting. You just had the baby. So your body's kind of trying to find this new balance, this new normal. In those two weeks, there's that sudden um, hormone shift and that like sudden hormone drop after the baby has been born. And you feel that, like you really do feel that mood shift. But those are your baby blues. And typically after two weeks, you kind of tend to shake it off. Rule of thumb is if you're still feeling what you were feeling during the baby blues two weeks after, chances are you should bring it up to your doctor because there may be something else going on. Well, I didn't know that the first time around. So two weeks go by and I'm still kind of feeling all of these things. And I think it's important to note, and I share this not as a way to bash, but as a way to speak a truth that I think some people won't. And the reality is that, you know, that they felt like it went undiagnosed because they felt like it they weren't going to have a support system. I, I would say I fell into that category because there's a moment where I remember vividly, I walked up to Carlos and I was bawling, bawling, could not stop like that, like heaving cry. And I said, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. And he came over and he hugged me, but he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. Like, and I remember we were having a conversation about something and I was, I wasn't making sense and I was getting triggered and kind of just spiraling. And because I didn't know what to say or how to explain it. And I, I didn't have a logical explanation. And I was kind of spiraling and I didn't have an explanation for why things were happening and why I was feeling the way I was feeling and why I was reacting that way. And he said to me, you can't be throwing these tantrums anymore. In that moment, I remember feeling like he doesn't believe me. Like, this is the man who I can come crying to and say, like, I feel sad, but I don't know why. And he'll just be like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, and here I am telling him, I don't know what's going on. I feel something not good. Um, and he said, we're not going to deal with this tantrum. I just felt like the door had been shut in my face. And I was so scared of that happening again, that when I went to my six week um, appointment with my OBGYN, and they asked me like how I was feeling, and they do the survey where they ask you um, if you've had any thoughts about this or about that, I lied. And I said that I felt great. And they were like, okay, great. And I was discharged and, and everything was good. And I was sent on my merry way. From the moment that big brother was born leading up to that six week appointment. So six weeks in the first six weeks of his life, I developed mastitis and it was so bad. One antibiotic and my body wasn't reacting to it. And then I was put onto another antibiotic because it was stronger. And then my body had an allergic reaction to that antibiotic. And then I was given a steroid because the steroid should like kickstart the antibiotic into working. And it was doing so much to my body. Like I ended up with an open sore on my breast because the lump that developed the clogged milk duct ended up becoming this like lump. And because of all the antibiotics and the steroids and everything that was happening, it just ruptured. And then that was the, I mean, I 
dealt with that for almost a month. And it was trips to urgent care and being told that, no, everything is fine. You just have to wait it out. Uh, no, everything's fine. You just have to wait it out. I got to a point where now when I think back on it, I'm like, think that way. But I remember coming home. We had finally, I had broken out into this big allergic reaction. I had hives everywhere. And um, I remember my mom left work early. They came to me. Got here. Uh, Carlos took me to the emergency room or when my parents got here, Carlos took me to the emergency room. And I'm thinking, cause I would be like sending my mom pictures or like asking her like, Hey, what's going on? And I would tell her the medication that I was on. And she would be like, Oh, go to urgent care. They're probably going to tell you this, go to urgent care. They're probably going to tell you this. When I went to, to the emergency room this time, cause she's like, you have to go to the emergency room, not into an allergic reaction. And you're probably going to need Benadryl through an IV so that it can like react faster or like start helping faster. I, I don't remember. This was years ago. Emergency room. They check me in. Mind you, it's COVID. So Carlos can't walk in with me. And um, I have baby at home that I haven't had the chance to really bond with at this point because it's just been so much that is happening. And... I go to the emergency room, a doctor finally sees me, he examines my breasts, he examines the open sore, and he starts looking at everything that's going on, and he tells me, he looks me dead in the face, and I'm thinking, like, I'm finally going to get fixed, and I'm going to get better, and I'm not going to be in pain, and I'm not going to look like this, and he tells me, there's nothing we can do, and I lost it. I thought, like, God, open up the earth and swallow me whole right now. I don't want to be here anymore. It was so horrible. Like here I am going to these people who've spent so much money and so much time studying medicine, studying how to help people. And they're telling me that they can't help me over a fucking like infection. Like shouldn't, isn't that easy? <laughs> like it's not cancer. Like, and I just remember feeling so defeated and feeling like, I'm going to go like, th there's just no way I can pull myself out of this. And now when I think back on it, I'm like, it wasn't anything that was like super, super major, but it felt like my world had crumbled. It didn't matter that I had just had a baby and he was waiting at home and he was the most adorable thing. And he still smelled like a newborn, like none of that mattered. All that mattered was that I didn't feel good. Now that's happening, right? And that's over the course of a month. But also in those first six weeks on Big Brother's like two week anniversary of life, we get into a car accident. And that was wild. Everything happened so fast. Like the actual accident, I remember it being so slow, but everything that happened afterwards, it was almost like the accident happened in slow motion. And everything went mute. But as soon as the car that hit hit us, because the car that hit us actually hit us from behind, kind of went up on its side, flew over us somehow, and landed in front of us. The car landed in front of us. And when it landed, it was like all the sound came back. And everything just moved fast after that. Like it was not, it was weird. Like when I look back on it now, I'm like, that was a really weird experience. But 
that was two weeks. That was two weeks postpartum with Big Brother. And I really do think that all of that contributed to my anxiety levels. But because I would remain calm to a degree about certain things, I felt like I was fine. I felt like I had like figured it out and I figured out how to, I had outgrown it, right? But then three months, four months postpartum, five months, six months, and I'm not okay. I realized um, Big Brother's sleep was a huge trigger for me. If he didn't nap, I lost it. I put us on such a strict schedule once I figured out what worked for him. I hated deviating from the schedule because the schedule gave me predictability. And the schedule, I knew he's going to be fine. If we ever got home past his bedtime, I would panic. I could not enjoy myself knowing that we were deviating from the schedule. I'm the big brother around uh, 10, 11 months. I think to myself, I don't know how I did this without any help, without any therapy, without any, but God, I pulled myself out of that dark place and I thought I was cured. I thought I was good. I was happy. I had figured out this like new normal for myself. My infant was about to toddler and like this new phase of life was starting and I find out that I'm pregnant with little brother and I was not happy. (laughs) I was not happy instantly, instantly I thought about postpartum, like what postpartum would feel like with him really sad. I was really, really sad because I thought I'm finally figuring out who I am again. And here I am about to lose myself again. It was this, the pregnancy was really hard to connect to. It was very, it was just different. You know, fast forward nine months, I have little brother. I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but let me tell you. I just learned how to live with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety because when I had baby brother, there was no way to cage that monster. It came out so fast, so early, so, and I was so afraid of it. That's the thing. And I kind of knew, like I kind of had this idea that like, it's going to hit me hard. I just, something just in my body in my soul told me it's going to hit me really hard and I would have conversations with Carlos six seven eight months pregnant telling him I'm really scared I'm really really scared this time I'm not going to lie on my on my survey I'm going to be honest and I really 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 need your support I'm really going to need you I'm really going to be able to like I'm really going to have to lean on you I really need you to just I'm scared. I'm so, so, so scared. And the baby hadn't been born yet. And one of the things that contributed to my depression with Big Brother was the whole thing with the mastitis and the breastfeeding because it was not easy for me. It did not come naturally for me. To switch him over to formula was really difficult for me because I was married to the idea of breastfeeding, but because I was afraid of what people would say. And I was like deep into the world of mom vloggers and family vloggers and 
moms who talked about how beautiful an experience breastfeeding is. And just, I was like, I drank the Kool-Aid like hard and I, I wanted to be a part of that. We dove in headfirst to like breastfeeding stuff. So when it wasn't working out and when, when, it, when I realized that it's actually really, really hard, what was hard was I had an uh, oversupply, like I was an overproducer which was another reason why I had a really hard time deciding to switch him over to formula because so many women struggle with producing milk that want to breastfeed. And I was an overproducer, which was part of the reason why I developed mastitis and I just not knowing proper like care when it comes to that. So I really struggled with that. And I knew I was not going to let that, was not going to let that affect my mental health this time around. So before, you know, little brother was even born, we had bought a, a canister of formula. And I said to Carlos, I'm going to try because in my heart, I don't feel closed off to the idea of breastfeeding. Like in my heart, there's a part of me that really wants to try again because I've heard that experiences are different. And I've heard that you know, like you could have a terrible experience with one, but you can have an amazing experience with another. And I knew that when I looked back at breastfeeding, I didn't want my memories to be that of like my mastitis. My mastitis. I really wanted, I wanted to have an experience that I could say, even if it didn't work out, that it wasn't traumatizing. So I tried in the hospital first day. Latch was great. Everything was great. Boom. Second day is, you know, the cluster feeding and all that stuff. It was really, really hard. And when I got home from the hospital that, that second day or whatever day I came home and big brother hadn't seen us in a few days is crying for me because he wants me to hold him. I had a C-section, so I couldn't hold him. There was a moment I was, um, I was breastfeeding little brother and big brother comes crying into the nursery wanting me. And Carlos is telling big brother, you know, mom can't hold you right now, baby. And I'm crying and he's crying. And I said to Carlos, take him away, please. And when Carlos came back, something, something inside of me said, this isn't going to work. And I remember I walked up to Carlos and I said, we're doing formula. And he said, okay. And it was, I would say that early on, it was probably, probably the best decision that I made. And yes, it's a decision that I made myself for my mental health, because I knew what it did to me the last time. And I was deadly afraid of what it would do to me this time. Not the mastitis, not that, just the mind games. So I said, no, we're not doing that. And I feel like that was one of the first um, decisions that I made with little brother that was like a proactive step to preventing postpartum depression and anxiety. Big brother, my C-section, my recovery from my C-section felt so like easy. The C-section itself felt so easy. I was like, oh. Why was I so scared? I would have five C-sections. This was so easy. Um, my recovery 
super easy. When I look back on it now, I think that part of the reason why my recovery felt super easy was because everything else happened. Our car accident happened. My mastitis happened. Big brother was born with jaundice and we had to go to the doctor and get blood draws every day for a few days. So it was just back and forth. Like I didn't give myself the time that I needed to properly heal right away. I take that back. I did properly heal. I didn't give myself the time to rest very early on the way that I should have. Little brother, my C-section was brutal. It was so hard. If that would have been my first C-section, I don't think I would have had another baby. It was so hard. Um, I had complications with big brother that I wasn't aware of, and that's just a whole different thing. Complications. And when I was pregnant with little brother and went in to meet my new OB because I was at a different location of that I was with, he looked at my chart and said, oh, you know, you had such and such complications. And I'm concerned for a repeat C-section. And I said, what do you mean I had complications? This is almost a year later. And I didn't know about any complications. So he starts explaining. And the gist of it is that, the gist of it is that I, uterus did not contract back down to size it wasn't doing it on its own it was kind of just limp so they had to do a procedure to like tie it down and like basically manually contract it um but because i there for who knows how long while they were waiting for that to happen i ended up losing quite a bit of blood and i got to it was a point where i could have potentially needed a transfusion but i think they ended up everything out before it got to that point the concern was why did you bleed so much? Surgery, you already lose a lot of blood. If you're having these hemorrhages, risk for, you know, needing a transfusion. And that gets into t uh, dangerous territory for mom. And then it became, you know, these are the steps, like these are the steps you could take. You could potentially try to deliver vaginally, but you know, even though you're technically a candidate to do that because enough time has gone by, the concern is that if your uterus didn't contract down to size with big brother and you never labored because you went into a scheduled C-section, what, what would happen to, to your uterus if it actually did labor? And then when it comes time, can't, you know, like you could en end up in an emergency C-section anyway. So there were all these things that my OB was concerned with and his soul, he... I think I was meant to have him as an OB because it was such a scary pregnancy, but it, it really, um, he like provided this comfort and this safety that I needed to have in this pregnancy. And, you know, so the C-section happens, traumatic experience for me, I will say, um, I expect, you know, all the scary stuff is over. The C-section went beautifully. There were no complications, everything, like all of this stuff I'm being told. So I'm expecting an easy recovery. I'm expecting the same thing that happened with Big Brother. And it didn't happen that way. It was a very difficult healing process. It's harder when you have a toddler. I, the first C-section, I was being cut open for the first time. The second C-section, I was being cut open for a second time. 
And when I was, you know, so you're going through scar tissue and it's just, it's a little bit more painful and everything was just, it was more painful. It was more difficult. It was scarier. It was, it was, it was just, I never developed mastitis. Like on that front, it was just, um, everything just felt a little bit tougher. I will say that I got to my six week checkup with little brother I would say that physically I was like a hundred percent well hundred percent I would say I was like at like 90 percent fine vision had healed up and it was perfectly fine I was cleared for you know low impact exercise it was very um like textbook you're good you're mentally though Mentally, I was destroyed. I, I, it was just, it was not good. It, right away I knew things didn't feel right. Right away I knew this, this isn't okay. Um, and when I say right away, I mean, in that first week of being home with little brother, I cried every single day. And it was always right around evening time. And I would look at Carlos and say, I don't know what's happening, but it's starting. I can feel it. I can feel my anxiety. And I would just start crying. And he would do everything that he could to cheer me up. He would, we would play calming music. We would, um, we would do all these different things. And um, he was so helpful, but it just, I knew this is not, this is not going, I'm not going to allow this to be the way it was the first time. I'm not going to, I have more to lose this time. Like I, I knew I couldn't live this way. And I was, you know, grateful that I had someone in my life who was going through something very similar and sought out therapy and she just always talked to me about what that did for her and how helpful it was and I said I think I'm gonna do that too like I I like why am I afraid of therapy and you know all these different things so I ended up pursuing therapy and I got matched with this amazing therapist and I've been doing that for about a month and a half now and the thing that's wild is that postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, it's not things that are related to postpartum, which is wild. Like, yes, you feel these things. You feel everything so extremely because of the hormone shift and all of that stuff. But it's not like you're only feeling things that are specific to pregnancy and postpartum and being a new parent. You're feeling everything that you've suppressed for as long as you've suppressed it. And these hormones and this hormone shift and this new life, they make it almost impossible for you to suppress and ignore the things that you don't want to deal with. And that's what had happened with me. When I became a mom for the first time, it was such a shock. It was such a difficult transition becoming a mom for the first time for me. And I've been around kids my whole life. I babysat kids. I worked at a preschool. I 
had been told over and over again, you're going to make a great mom someday. You're so great with kids. Like I really thought I was ready and like able. You, nothing can prepare you for having a baby. Nothing can prepare you for becoming a mom. You can take all the classes. You can do all the research. You can watch all the videos. It's not until you do it because all the training videos give you like the perfect scenario with the perfect child who has like the perfect temperament. It doesn't work that way. I did everything the breastfeeding video told me to do. It still didn't work. The breastfeeding video doesn't address what happens when you overproduce milk or vice versa. What happens when your body just isn't producing it? It's not as simple. It's not as black and white, but I thought it would be. And it was such a shock when it wasn't. It was a very difficult transition. And I would, again, always hear people say, I think if the transition from zero to one child was really, really hard, the transition from one to two is a little bit easier. So I was thinking it's going to be easy. And it was easy when Carlos was home. Before he had gone back to work, it was easy. I had a system. I had the kids on like a loose system. Carlos was home, so I had an extra set of hands. We weren't sleeping very much because we had a newborn, but it was easy. Carlos went back to work, and my entire life was shaken up. I was like, what? The transition from one to two has been hard. It's been harder for me mentally it's been harder for me. Physically, it hasn't been very hard. Um, I think the transition from zero to one really taught me how to multitask, really taught me how to be efficient with my time, really taught me how to make the most of what's in front of me, really taught me how to pivot, really taught me how to be flexible, really taught me how to think on my feet, really taught me how to address certain things. You know, it gave me a backbone to address things that I may not agree with or to defend something that I may agree with, but mentally, it's been extremely hard. It's been very, very, very hard. Every day is very hard. Every day takes a lot of effort and every day takes a lot out of me. And at the end of the day, I am white. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I pursued therapy. So um, I would say that therapy has really been my saving grace this time around. I don't know the mental state that I'd be in or the environment hold on, what I'm about to say is a little bit, um, a little, can be a little feisty. Um, I don't know the version of myself that I would be today if I wasn't in therapy. And in like, as a result of that, I don't know what version of me my kids would get. That's a really scary thought. When you say like, oh, I don't know the type of environment that I have my kids around. It's a really scary thought. And it's not to say that I would hurt my kids or like, because when you're thinking logically, when you're all there, you're like, no, I would never hurt my kids. But guys, until you experience it, it is so difficult to explain what it feels like, what it really feels like to be so fucking overwhelmed and so consumed by what you're experiencing and so overstimulated and so tired that you blank out, you zone out. And when you check back in, you're like, what happened? How did the last two hours happen? Because I have no recollection of them. That is my reality. That is my reality sometimes. And therapy has helped me with a lot of that. Therapy has helped me with a lot of coping mechanisms and a lot of 
ways to kind of pause in the moment of anxiety and kind of reset myself. And I don't always execute it well, but therapy has been helping quite a bit. It's really been teaching me and re, uh, making me realize that what I'm experiencing, because I do have postpartum depression, I do have postpartum anxiety. I don't think that my anxiety and my depression are linked to postpartum per se. I think it's always been there. I think postpartum brought it out. I think I have, what is it called? Functioning depression? I believe that's what it's called. So I don't show it in the typical signs. I, I, don't, um, I don't take medication for it. I don't need it. I can go through my day. I seem very happy. I, I seem like I have it together. I seem like you would never know, um, but it's there. One of the main reasons, if not the main reason that I wanted to talk about this and talk about my postpartum experience is because I don't know that, and if, if you are, kudos to you, serious kudos to you, because I don't know that women are out there researching what to expect postpartum because nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about what they are going through in their postpartum experience because society has set this expectation that you shouldn't feel this. You shouldn't feel sad. You just had a baby. You shouldn't feel overwhelmed. Oh, honey, the years are so, or what is it? The days are long, but the years are short or whatever. Like society will tell you that you're not entitled to the feelings that you have, that you shouldn't feel these things. And what I've learned is that unless you've gone through it, and this is something that I wish I could go back a few years and tell myself, keep your comments to yourself. Because if you haven't gone through it, you don't know what it's like. And you, you will never know what it's like unless you go through it. And if you have gone through it and your kids are grown now and they're off building their own lives, be gentle to the one who just started because you probably went through it too. At a time where mental health wasn't so openly talked about, it was probably harder for those people. So be kind, be gentle, be understanding. But I, I talk about this because chances are I'm not the only one who has, who has had an experience like this. And when you have your second child and your third child and your fourth child and however many you choose to have, when you have the one after your first, there's less attention on you because you've done it already. It's, it's, there's less, uh, people aren't checking up on you as much as they were when you had your first. People aren't stopping by or whatever. It's just life is continuing to happen. And there's a higher pressure on you to be good because you have another child to take care of. You're not going through it for the first time. Take care of yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Ask for the help. It's there. Don't be afraid of what other people are going to think. I sometimes get afraid to tell people that I'm in therapy because I feel like they're going to try to talk me out of it and tell me why I don't need it. And I can tell you guys, there was an, uh, there was, so I, I have therapy weekly right now and there was one week where I was having 
an anxious episode and it was the day of my therapy, I believe. Yeah, it was the day of my therapy and I I was like I I just I went into fight or flight mode. Carlos and I were arguing and I called and rescheduled it. I said I can't do it today. I need to reschedule. So they rescheduled me for the following week. So I had gone since I've started therapy. That was my first two week stretch. It sucked. It really, really, really sucked. It was the longest two weeks of my life. I could not wait to talk to my therapist. I just needed to talk to her. Like, I wish I could have texted her and been like, I'm sorry that I rescheduled, but I need to talk to you now. Um, Take care of yourselves. I mean, it doesn't have to be postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but um, the help is there. Like, look into it. If, If something doesn't feel right, you know, my, my red flags were, again, the indecisiveness, the little to no pleasure, and just things that normally would bring me pleasure. Today, um, I recognize that some of my, like, signs that I'm in my depression or that I'm in my anxiety, um, I don't get dressed for the day. I don't get ready. I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. I don't brush my teeth. I know that that's gross. But it's just when all of that feels too hard, when walking into the restroom, picking up your toothbrush, brushing your teeth, when that feels hard, just kind of look inward and and ask yourself if you need a little bit of support, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of help, because it's done wonders for me. And I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but it's done wonders for me. And it's the reason why the just of it is here. And and that's, that's really the just of it on my postpartum experience. Before we wrap up and before we close up, I do want to give you all some homework, uh, which is what my therapist gives me at the end of every session. But I just want to ask you, what is your self-care for the week? Give yourself a week of self-care and it could be whatever you want. Some of my things that I've done is I journal, I try to meditate. I do, you know, I do different things and it's not all at once, but self-care doesn't have to be a face mask or a bath or this, unless that's what it is for you, then go for it. It's not for me. It's not for me. Find a way to take care of yourself this week because you really need to. Um, Nobody's going to take care of yourself better than yourself. I know that we like, like, I want to believe that Carlos is going to take the best care of me and he does and he will, but he will not take care of myself the way I will because I know my body. I know my mind. I know my heart. I know my soul. I know what I need. I know what I'm lacking. Do yourselves a favor and just treat yourself kindly. Take care of yourselves and and love yourselves the way that everybody else does. I want to start closing off these episodes with a little wisdom nugget. But I really think that I, I like I like my whole little spiel on self-care. So that's going to be my wisdom nugget for the week. Um, take care of yourself. Love yourself. You can't, what is it? What's that saying? You can't serve from an empty cup or whatever. Fill your cup first, guys. Put your ox- oxygen mask on first and then help everybody else. It'll be much better that way. Um, thank you again for giving me the opportunity to talk your ears off. Thank you again for giving me another week of just talking and being so kind. I really have a goal that I would like to get a hundred listeners, a hundred listeners over the course of like the next two months. So if we could please, please, please get there, that would make me so happy. Um, Share with your friends, share 
with whoever you think may find any value to this. Just support a fellow mom who needs a hobby and who's finding great joy in doing this. So thank you all again. I hope to see you guys next week. Hopefully it doesn't take me this long to record the next one so we can get the ball rolling on this um, Jessavit train. But that's it for me, you guys. Have an amazing week and I'll see you next time. Bye.